Good morning, church. We are so glad that you're here. My name is Seth Vogler. I'm the Connections Pastor here. If it is your first time with us, we are so glad that you chose to come and worship with us. This morning, I've been tasked with talking about marriage. So a couple weeks ago, Steve came to me and he said, Seth, you're going to be preaching in a few weeks. You're going to be preaching about parenting. And I was like, yes, parenting. I got that. My wife and I have been married for 15 years. We've got three kids. I feel like my kids are pretty well behaved, even though we're kind of running into some rough stuff with a couple of them. But overall, I feel like I can, I can talk confidently about parenting. And then two weeks ago, he came to me and he said, you know what, we're actually going to switch it up. You're not going to be talking about parenting. You're actually going to be talking about marriage. And I was like, ooh. Like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not funny. Um, because while I love my wife, she's amazing. Um, we have a generally a great marriage um, you know, like every marriage, we you kind of have the ups and downs, and we're going through a patch where we're just not, I don't feel like we're communicating real well. Um, and so the things that we're going to talk about today, the things that I'm going to share with you today, uh, are really coming from a place where I feel like God was saying, Seth, you need to slow down, and you need to study out why I have you married to the person I have you married to. You need to refocus your marriage. And my hope is that I was able to translate what God was telling me in a way that will help you as well in your marriage. So marriage can be a tough thing to talk about though, because when marriage is going right, it can be amazing. It's like heaven on earth, right? When marriage is clicking and you're connecting with someone and that's awesome, it's perfect. But marriage can also be something that if it's going wrong, can leave a wake of destruction in its path that can last for generations. And so the tough part about talking about marriage is that I'm sure each one of those marriages and everything in between is probably represented in this room today. We probably have marriages that are amazing and you're really connecting and it's firing on all cylinders and you feel like you're being productive for God and things are awesome and it's perfect and that's great. We want to encourage that. We want you to keep going. Find some other people that you can share that with. We also probably have some marriages that aren't going so well. And we probably have some marriages in the room that might be hanging by a string. The other thing that's tough about talking about marriage is that there's not everybody in this room is married. We've got single people. We've got people that were married for years and their spouse has passed away. And now they're trying to figure out how do I live after this person that I was partners with has passed away. And that can be tough in both of those instances. Like, why do I have to sit here and hear about marriage? I don't want to hear about this. I don't have a wife or a husband. But what we are going to talk about is we're going to talk about relationships. And my hope is that what we talk about, you can apply to really any relationships you have in your life so that you can help them become more godly relationships and that you can have better relationships with the people around you. And as I was preparing for the message, there was one other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, and it's not an easy thing to bring up, um, but wanted to mention it because God was really putting it on my heart. And that's the fact that there are some people in this room that are probably in relationships that may be abusive. Physically, mentally abusive relationships. And this message might be scary to you. You don't want to hear about your marriage because your marriage is in a place that you never thought your marriage was going to get to. And if that's you this morning... We want to make sure that you hear that we care about you and that what's happening in your marriage is not okay and we want to help in whatever way we can. 
The person that you're living with, the spouse that you have, their spirit, they are spiritually broken. And the things that they are doing to you is, are, are, they're not okay. I don't want my words today to be twisted in a way that can make someone feel like they are justified in hurting someone emotionally or physically. And I want someone to, I want people in those relationships to understand that we want to help and we are here for you. Because here's the reality of it, folks. We put a good face on. We post Instagram pictures of our families and it makes our marriages look all clean and shiny and happy. But the statistic shows that one in five marriages are abusive. And if you look at the number of people in this room, the reality is that there's probably someone in this room that's dealing with that this morning. And so I wanted them to know that we are here for you and we want to help. And it's kind of a heavy subject, so we're going to pray and then we'll continue on. So let's pray. Dear God, we just come to you and just pray that you be here with us this morning, Lord. Move me out of the way and use me to, to give the words that you've given me to the, to the people in this room, Lord. I pray that you open the hearts of the people in this room, no matter where they're at, if they're single or married or um, widowed or whatever's going on in their lives, that they can hear your words through me, that their hearts be open and not hardened, Lord, and that they can hear the message of hope, the message of relationship, the fact that you want us to have great relationships with one another, Lord. Thank you for marriage, just what you've made it and what it is and how awesome and amazing it can be, Lord. And I just pray that through this message, marriages can be strengthened. And Lord, if there is anyone in this room that's dealing with an abusive spouse or there's things going on in their lives that, that are beyond just kind of the normal life, Lord, I pray that they get help and that they, they let us know so that we can help them out and try to find them help, Lord, um, because we know this can be a sensitive subject, Lord. We just pray um, and thank you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, my prayer, my hope is that we can just have an open, honest conversation about marriage over the next half hour or so, and that we can step back from whatever situation we're, going, we're in right now in our marriages, whether good or bad, and we're able to step back a little bit and start to think about what God wants for our marriage. Because let's be honest, our culture, our sinful nature, and Satan all hate your marriage. They hate your marriage. It's all fighting against you and fighting against your marriage. And we need to be real and we need to be open and honest about that because if we're not, we're fooling ourselves. And that's not to make it sound like marriage is some horrible institution and that's not why we're here. A marriage is amazing. And we want marriages in this church to be thriving so that you can live out that mission of God that God has for your marriage and it's exciting and fun and encouraging to you. But what happens is that in our society, we become a society of consumers. We buy something, we use it, when the shine wears off, when it doesn't work, quite work so right, or it's not what I thought it would be, or it's not doing what I want it to do for me anymore, what do we do with it? We throw it out. How many times have you said, it's gonna be cheaper for me to just replace this than it will be to fix it? Have you ever said that? That's the idea of consumerism, right? We buy these things, we think they're going to fulfill some need in our lives, the second that it doesn't, we get rid of them. And the problem is, is that consumerism is, is filtering into our marriages. 
We marry someone and everything is great and we love it and it's awesome. And as long as my spouse is doing what I want them to do and it makes me feel good and it's, and it's working right and it's shiny and it's nice and makes everybody around me make, look at me and go, oh man, his life must be so great. The second that stops happening, what do we do? We move on. We find a new marriage. We find someone else. We find something new and shiny. That's not what God has intended for our marriages. When God looked at a marriage, when God looked at marriages, he sees it as a partnership. He sees it as, as two people coming together in a covenant and making a promise that you're going, I'm going to be with you forever. I'm making a promise forever. And we see this in our marriage vows, right? So we, we go to a wedding and it's, it's the big moment at the wedding and like I can picture mine like it was yesterday and I'm standing there and Chrissy's coming down the aisle and we stand there and we make the vows. We say, for rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, right? And we all cry and it's beautiful and we, oh, it's so nice. That's a covenant. It's a covenant you make before your family. It's a covenant you're making before God. You're making a promise where you're saying, I'm going to be with this person forever no matter what. But if those vows truly represented our sinful hearts and our sinful nature, they'd look a lot different. They might sound like, I'm going to love you as long as you continue to make $75,000 a year. And you know what? I'm going to love you as long as you don't gain more than 15 pounds more than you are today. And it's sick. That would be horrible. We would be shocked. We would take our gift off the table. We'd say, this marriage is never going to last, and I'm going home. Because that's not what marriage is supposed to be. And we know that, but it's, we don't always live it out. So I was reading a scripture this week, and it got me thinking about, if I could really live this scripture out, if this, if this was our core scripture in our marriage, and I could truly live it out, how much better would my relationship with my wife be? So I'm going to read it for you. It's Philippians 2, 3 through 7. If you've got your device or hop on version, or um, you've got your Bible, uh, if you want to open it up or it's up on the screen. So it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the nature of who being the very nature of God did nothing did not consider equality with God something to be used um, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in in a human likeness. This idea of Jesus coming to earth, right? He was. By his very nature, he becomes human. He gives up being God, but that doesn't mean that he couldn't have used what he had. But he didn't. He knew if I came here to earth, I'm, I'm going to come and I'm going to be a servant. And I'm going to show a servant's heart and I'm going to be an example of what a servant is to these people so that they then can go and be servants. He thought of other people higher than himself, even though he was as high as it got. So how would this make my marriage look different? What if I stopped trying to control my wife and I put her first? What if I stopped trying to control everything in my family and I put them first? And what if she did the same thing? 
It would be amazing to see two people that are constantly trying to put each other first. How would that change our marriages? What would look different in our marriages if that's what we did? Instead of trying to be in control, we let go. We trusted God that he has the best for our marriages, the best for my spouse. So the uh, title of the message is Four Things You Can Do to Improve Your Marriage. And as we go through this relationship series, that's what we're going to do is talk about kind of some more practicals, things you can do today to help. And today we're talking about marriage, so here are some practicals that you can use to hopefully improve your marriage. So number one, get on the same team. We've got some football analogies coming, so be ready. Get on the same team. How often do you feel like you are on the same team with your spouse? Do you feel like you're on the same team the majority of the time, or do you feel like a lot of times you're kind of running in different directions, and you're kind of all over the place, and you're making a decision over here, and they're making a decision over there, and it's just kind of all over the place? When you say, I do, you're saying, this is my teammate. This is the person that's going to make me better. This is the person that's going to make my team stronger. And then when you have kids, you add to that team, but the problem is you don't get to pick your kids, so you got to play with what you got. And your team grows, right? The important thing, there's a couple of important things that you need to do when you're looking at your team. And one of the, the first thing that we need to do is we need to recognize our spouse's strengths. What are your spouse's strengths? That's not a rhetorical question. Think about it. What are your spouse's strengths? Can you think of any? Might take some of you a couple seconds. If you can't think of any, then you don't know your teammate. You need to know the player's strengths, the, your, your teammate's strengths, so that you guys can be more effective. What are, you, what are the strengths of your spouse? What does your spouse do great? What does your spouse, what amazing gifts has God given them? And are you searching for them? Are you encouraging them? Are you telling them how much you appreciate their strengths? Proverbs eleven twenty seven says this, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Church, if we're honest with ourselves, I think too often we're searching for evil. We look at all the things that grind on us, all the things that annoy us, all the things that make me angry, all the things that are frustrating, and so evil finds your marriage. But if you're looking for good, if you constantly are looking at people around you and saying, man, this is what makes this person good, and you tell them, not just look at them and think about it, but you actually tell them, then we see good come out of our marriages. What happens and what the pitfall we fall in is that we get comfortable with one another. And when we get comfortable with one another, we stop encouraging one another and we stop telling each other because we're like, oh yeah, well, I've already said that. She's heard that. She knows that. And so we stop saying the nice things and we start thinking about all the things that frustrate us. And then that becomes what our focus is. And then here's the other truth. You need to recognize your spouse's strengths because if you don't, someone else will. I know you might be frustrated with your spouse, But God has made an amazing creation in the person that you've married. And if you're not telling them how awesome they are, there's somebody at work that probably is. There's somebody that's telling them how great of a parent they are. There's someone that's encouraging them. There's someone that's telling them how awesome they are. And then that's where we run into problems. That's when cracks start to form in our marriage. 
because we're walking around and all these people are telling us how awesome we are, but then we go home and it's nothing but criticism. And so what happens is you, you go out into the world and everybody's telling you how great things are and how much they admire this thing and that thing about you, and then you go, that's what, we start to look at the, the grass on the other side, right? We start to see and think the grass is greener on the other side. We're like, why am I here? What, why am I in this marriage? This is horrible. I've got people telling me how awesome I am over here. Why wouldn't I be over there? And that's when we run into trouble. Proverbs addresses this as well. It says, Proverbs 21:19. this isn't in your notes, so you write it down if you want it. But it says, better to die in a desert than live with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Proverbs literally says, it's better to pack your bags and head on out into the desert and die alone than it is to live in a house with someone that wants to fight and someone that's nagging. And guys, if you think that gets you off the hook, I think we could easily swap wife with husband in this and it would be about the same because I know some nagging husbands. It's better to go into the desert and die alone than it is to live in a home with someone that's nagging you and someone that's fighting. The writer of Proverbs knew this. He knew that this is not how it should be. He knew that when we're at home, that's where we should be building each other up so that when we go out in the world and the world starts beating us up, that we can know we can come back to home and be encouraged again. So recognize your spouse's strengths. Tell them how much you appreciate them every day. Not when you feel like it, because if you tell them when you feel like it, it may never happen. Tell them every day how much you appreciate them and how much you appreciate what they do. So here's the, here's the practical tip of the day. I want you to take a note card or take your phone or take something, and I want you to write that down. Write down the strength that you thought about a minute ago. That thing you thought about when you thought about your spouse, write it down. I see a lot of guys that aren't doing anything. Guys, you're getting, this will pay off in the end, I'm telling you. Because here's what I want you to do. By the end of today, I want you to tell your spouse what you wrote down. Tell them that thing that you appreciate them. Tell them what you love about them. Tell them how much you appreciate what they do and the strengths that they have. It will make a difference. Now, if your relationship with your spouse is so rocky and is on such rough ground that even a compliment could set off a fight, like, it's awesome when you get around to fixing things at the house and they say, what do you mean getting around to it? I I fix things all the time and that starts a fight and you guys start yelling at each other. You're in a rocky place. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So being on the same team means recognizing the players on your team. The second thing that being on the same team, you have to do to be on the same team is you need to be playing from the same playbook. So here's another the, a football analogy, right? Another one. So you're watching the Steelers. Ben hikes the ball, throws the ball 40 yards down the field, and there's nobody within 20 yards. What's happened? He called a play. And either he called the play that he thought was one thing and the receiver thought was something else, or he thought it was going to be a deep pass and they thought it was a 10-yard out, and they zoom back and the receiver's completely out of position. They were on different plays, and we do this in our marriage. 
Church, we do this in our marriage. We're on different playbooks. We're making decisions. Like I said, we're all over the place, and it doesn't work. We need to get on the same page and get on the same playbook, and the way we can do that is by creating a family playbook. So creating a family playbook, what does that look like? They're showing you, I think they're going to show you up top there. So a family playbook. Taking time and sitting down with your spouse to say, this is who we are. This is what defines us. Take biblical principles and create something where you say, this is our family. And then make decisions through that playbook. So that when you go to make a decision, you take a look at this and you say, well, does that really fit who we are? Is that going to get us to where we want to be? Is that what God has planned us for, for us? When we think about our strengths, does that fit into our strengths? So when your husband says, I'm going to buy that 30-foot boat I've been looking at, you can be like, ah, is that really, does that fit into our strengths? Get on the same team. Use the same playbook. Know your strengths. We knew a family that did this, and my wife and I have been married for 15 years now, and we were like, this is such an awesome idea. We should do this, and we never did. But in the, within the next two weeks, we are going to have one of these at our house because I was reminded how important these are. It's awesome to hear that family talk about how their family used this. Their kids have now used, started using them. They've developed new ones for their family. And it creates a situation where everybody understands what the vision is, what the purpose is, where we're heading and where we're going so that you're all on the same playbook. The next thing we can do to help our marriages is get upward and outward focused. Too often, problems arise in our marriages when we lose focus of the true purpose of our marriage. We focus on ourselves instead of focusing on God. We focus on all the things that are going wrong in my life and all the things I don't like instead of why God put me together with the spouse that he put me together with. So are you focused on God in your marriage? Do you have a mission-focused marriage where you know where you're going and the two of you know what God wants for your marriage? Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says it this way. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, that will be like a tree planted by the water that sends sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, Its leaves are always green, it has no worries in a year of drought, and never fails to bear fruit. Imagine what that would look like. If your relationship was about you being rooted to Jesus first, and then the other stuff second. If my job was to be rooted in Jesus first, and Chrissy's number one focus was to be rooted in Jesus first, Imagine how much stronger we would be. As a church, if that was our focus of our marriages, let's get rooted into Jesus. Imagine how much stronger our marriages would be. Because roots are an interesting thing. So this talks about this plant that's that's, um, planted next to a stream. And the roots go out and it doesn't worry about the drought because it's connected to the stream, right? It's connected to Jesus is the, the metaphor they're going for there. And so roots are an interesting thing. So we bought a house about six months ago, seven months ago. 
And the woman that owned the house before us, she um, was old and had some medical conditions, so she wasn't able to take care of the lawn. So her trees and shrubs all were overgrown, and they planted these shrubs for some odd reason. They planted all their shrubs like six inches or a foot from the house. So when we were doing the inspection, we found out that the whole wall of our basement was bowing because the roots of these bushes had pushed in on the foundation of the house. And so it's been my mission for the last six months that I'm going to dig out all these roots. So I've tried every way imaginable, and everybody gives me suggestions on how to do it. I've hitched up our CRV to, the, to some of them to try to pull them out. It doesn't work. I wouldn't recommend it. But you dig, and you dig, and you dig, and some of them are pretty easy. I can get them out pretty quick. You dig a little bit. You get some of the big roots cut. You can pop them out. But there were two shrubs on the corner of the house. One was a western red cedar, and why they planted it so close to a house is beyond my imagination. And right next to it was a smaller shrub. And the two of those shrubs were so difficult to get out of the ground. And they were so difficult to get out of the ground because their roots had grown together. The two of them had grown into almost one big root clump under the ground. And that's what God wants for our marriages. He wants us to be rooted in him and rooted in him in such a way that my spouse and I are so intertwined in our passion for God that we can't be moved. That when the troubles come and things happen and whatever ever goes on in life, that we're not swayed by the stuff that happens in life because we're so rooted into the ground. Get rooted in God. Get rooted in who he is, and it will make your marriage stronger. Another thing that we can look at is getting upward focused um, is in Psalm 62.5. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Here's another pitfall we run into, church, and that's that we put our hope in people. And if you're putting your hope in people, you're going to be disappointed every single time. If you put your hope in people, you will be disappointed. And this goes with our marriages too. We put all this hope into our marriage, especially when it's new and it's fresh. We put all this hope into our marriage, and then we're disappointed when our spouse fails us. Your spouse is not your savior. Jesus is your savior. My job is to not fix Chrissy, My job is to help her get closer to Jesus. And that's what I need to do because she is not my savior. I don't need to look to Chrissy and expect that she's going to get me to heaven. She's going to help me get to heaven, hopefully. And my hope and my prayer is that I'm going to help her get to heaven. I want her to get to heaven because of me and because of my help and not in spite of me. As I was creating this message and I was thinking about it, I got this vision because I'm a visual person, so I think through this stuff. And I was thinking about Chrissy making it to the gates of heaven, right? She's walking up to the gates of heaven, and the angels come out, and they wrap their arms around her, and they say, it's okay. You don't have to deal with Seth anymore. He's not here. You've you've made it. You've made it, Chrissy. Good job. I I don't want that to happen. I want her to get there 
because of me. I want to be there waiting for her with, because I'm going to die before she is, let's be obvious. I want to be, with my arms open wide, I want to be waiting for her because we did this together, that we helped each other out. And then get outward focused, serve together, join a growth group together. There's a lot of things my wife does that makes me attracted to her, and two of them I can talk about here. (laughs) Two things that my wife does that I find extremely attractive. One is when we serve God together. The way she serves people is unbelievable, and it's super attractive. When we go places to see her heart and her compassion for people, or when she's even in the nursery and you go in there and you see her with the little kids and the compassion she has for the families and the mothers that are struggling and all the stuff that's going on, that's super attractive. It's because I see that she's got a heart for God. It's it's because I see, I'm not focusing on all the little things that annoy me, I'm focusing on the fact that this person that was given to me has such a compassionate heart. The other thing she does um, is that in, usually within growth group is when it happens, but when we read scripture, to hear how she thinks about scripture is super attractive to me. My um, wife, God has given her an amazing talent of being patient. I'm not. So when I read scripture, it's like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk through it. Let's figure it out. But she'll sit there and she thinks about it. And she digests digests it, and she thinks through it. And it's a whole different process than what I do. So to hear her when she opens her mouth and she talks and she talks about the Scripture, it's so awesome. Because it's not, I'm not focusing on the little things. We're focusing on the fact, we're focusing on God. We're getting outward focused. um, The next thing, and keep things moving, I don't want to run out of time, but... The next thing that you can do to help improve your marriage is get time away. Set a date night. Get time away. If you've got kids, get a babysitter. If you don't have kids, amen. Live it up. Get away as many times as you can now because it all changes when they come. Make your time purposeful. It's awesome to get away. It's awesome to relax. It's awesome. We want to make that time fun and enjoyable. But make it purposeful. Find ways to have conversations about where you see your marriage beyond today. What's encouraging you? Where are you at? What's happening? Make it a purposeful conversation. Here's some questions you can think about. What are you excited about in our marriage? Where do you see us in five years or ten years? What can we work on together to make our marriage better? Ask purposeful questions. And if you can't ask those questions because they're awkward, you'll get past that. It's tough. If you've never asked those questions, you start asking them, it seems kind of weird and hokey, you'll get past that. But if you can't ask those questions because it'll start a fight, stick around. We're going to talk about that. Finally, get help. This could be something as simple as reading a book together. If you Google search marriage books, there's over 150,000 unique hits that you get. It means there's a lot of opinions on marriages out there. Get a book. Find a book. Read it. We read books about our jobs. We read books to entertain us. But for some reason, when it comes to marriage, we don't want to read a book. We don't want to challenge ourselves. We don't want to ask questions. Join a growth group. Like I said, it's awesome. 
that my wife and I have a growth group. We've got people that are in similar life situations as us. If we get into trouble, we have someone to talk to. We can live um, life with these other people. If you don't want to join a growth group, meet with a couple that you trust. And if your marriage is struggling, get help. If your spouse says you don't need it, get help. If your spouse says we don't need to tell someone all of our junk, tell your spouse that we all have junk and you need to get help. Proverbs 11:14 says it this way, without wise leadership a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. You can change nation with marriage. Without wise leadership marriages fall. You need advisors, you need people in your lives that can help guide you in a godly way. And you really, we really need to strive to um, go to these things together. It shouldn't just be one half of the couple going and getting counseling. It really, it, and if you can, it should be both people going together and having counseling because Proverbs 18, 17 warns us that the first to speak in court sounds right until cross-examination begins. If you're going and getting counseling by yourself, that person is only hearing your side of the story, and it's going to sound right to them. It's going to sound right to that person. But unless you're going together and getting advice together, someone can't hear both sides of the story, so they can't help advise you on how to move forward. So try to get advice and get counseling together. Another mistake we run into is that we confuse friends with wise leadership. We go and talk to our friends, they hear our side of the story, we tell them how horrible our husband or our wife is, all the things that are wrong, and they hear it and they go, you know what, you're right. They are horrible. Because they're your friend, they're not your wise leader. You need to find wise leadership and you need to not confuse friendship with wise leadership. And finally, if there's still hope in your marriage, get help. Race to reconcile. If there's problems in your marriage, make them right. And don't do it next week, and don't do it two weeks from now or a month from now. Do it today. Do it before you leave this building. Find one of us. Sit down and talk with someone. Race to reconcile. God wants you to have a successful marriage. God wants you to be in a marriage that is thriving. And people this week were saying to me, yeah, but it's naive to think that all marriages can be saved, Seth. Marriages are going to fail. It just is going to happen. And you know what? You're right. Marriages are going to fail. And I'm not naive to that. I grew up in a family where marriage didn't work. But if, if what I say today and what God is saying through me can help one marriage fight to stay together, then that's all we can ask for. We want you to fight to keep together what God has put together. Your spouse is God's workmanship, so let God do the work. Pray for them. You make a bad Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do its work. You just need to pray. And choice, not chance, determines the outcome of your marriage. Choices you make today determine the outcome of your marriage. It's not chance. Marriage isn't a dice roll where you kind of hope that it's going to work out. The choices you make and the right choices you make, that's what's going to determine if you have a successful marriage or not. 
Satan hates your marriage, but God loves it more. God wants to see our marriages thrive and succeed, not so that we can feel better about ourselves, but so that he can be glorified. The purpose of your marriage and all that we do is to point people to him. So does your marriage point people to Jesus? When people look at you and your spouse and your family, do they see Jesus? But you may be saying to yourself, but Seth, my marriage is a hot mess. You don't get it. You don't get what we're going through. It is crumbling to the ground and it is a hot mess. God can't use my marriage. And I would say there's countless times in the Bible that God takes things that are falling apart, that are broken, people that are hurting, and situations that seem beyond repair, and he uses them to do great work. I don't know what God has in store for the marriages of impact, but I do know that if we get more focused on him and less focused on ourselves, he can do amazing things. Let's pray.